Hi, um, Louis-Pierre Gignac, President and CEO of G-Mining Ventures. Uh, we're building uh, the Token Tanzino mine in, in, in Brazil. Uh, we started construction in September and have spent uh, close to $45 million already as of the end of October. Mike Hodgson, Sarabi Gold, CEO. Uh, we're, we're a producer of uh, about 35 to 40,000 ounces of high-grade gold underground in uh, Pará State, the Tapajós region in northern Brazil. Uh, and we're developing our, uh, our new project or our project, Karinga uh, Mine, which is now underground and we're producing ore and trucking high-grade ore to Polito. And basically Karinga will double our production uh, up to about 80,000 ounces. And on uh, parallel to this, we've got a very exciting exploration program going on in around the Polito area where we're looking for high uh, bulk deposits, high volume bulk deposits. I'm Alan Carter. I'm the President and CEO of Cabral Gold. Cabral is an advanced exploration company with an asset in the Tapajos. We've got just under 1.2 million ounces indicated and inferred. Uh, we've got two known gold deposits that comprise that resource with two new discoveries. We also have a significant amount of oxide uh, mineralization, which is near surface and, and free digging. So um, we have a lot of um, lot of work planned for the next 12 months. Gentlemen, thanks very much for joining us again. Uh, and always nice to hear from you. And I do want to hear about what you've been doing with your companies. But the big question I would like answered is um, around the outcome of the local, the last elections um, with uh, Luis Ignacio Lula da Silva, Lula, uh, back in power. What does that mean for mining? Um, Lou Pierre, what do you think? I mean, for me, I think it's just business as usual, in, in my opinion. Uh, there's been mining under Lula in the past, and uh, I think there will be continuing in the future. So I, I don't see a big change there. And I'd say for us located in the state of Pará, um, Pará is a, an important mining state in Brazil and, and an important part of the economy. So I think that's, that's there to stay going forward. What do you reckon, Mike? Is it affecting you? No, I go along with what Louis just said, really. It, it's interesting. I've just done the one-to-one -one conference in London, and I've just been to some Exim down in uh, Oro Preto in, Bello, in Bello. And particularly in London, it was very strange that um, Lula has this reputation of being anti-mining, which is, like, bizarre, because so many mines were opened underneath him. Uh, he was big pals with, a, you know, the Ike Batistas of the world who set up so many, God knows how many mining companies and mines in Brazil. So I don't know why... Uh, there seems to be this negative perception with him. I think he just said in his manifesto that he was going to try to control deforestation. And what's wrong about that? So that's all he ever said. But the people have kind of extrapolated that to him being anti-mining, which is bizarre. Both candidates are very pro-mining, in my view. So I, 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 uh, I, I, I echo Louis's word, Louis's words. Alan, it sounds like no point in asking you. It's not affecting you, is it? Well, I, I, I think I, I'm, I agree with Louis Pierre and what Mike just said. I mean, both Mike and I have been working in Brazil for an awful long time, and we've both uh, been working in Brazil during four previous PT governments, two of which were Lula and then two of which were his successor, Dilma. And as Mike said, that was a very pro-mining environment. I mean, uh, I agree with Mike. I think he will look into the, tightening some of the environmental regulations. I also think he'll look at uh, tightening up um, some of the illegal mining that's done, been done by the, the what they call Garimpero miners in Brazil. But as, as Mike said, that's no bad thing. That's a good thing. Um, Luke, Pierre, there's obviously over like 3,000, you know, mining companies in Brazil. So it, it clearly has got the history there. And from what you guys have said, um, there's no reason to fear uh, you know, Lula, uh, or any, any changes of that, any change in that outcome or outlook. But 
Um, I've looked, you guys have come off a very, very difficult year, all of you, this, the mining industry as a whole, but also, you know, it's been top down uh, in Brazil. Are, are the sort of supply chain issues resolving themselves? I know you, you come from a service company, so, Lou Pierre, you've told us that you've managed to kind of circumvent some of the issues, but what are the, what are the, um, the big red flags still currently in existence? Um, yeah, I think there's still disruptions out there, but um, I think in, in Brazil, we've made a lot of the procurement for our project within, uh, within the country. So, um, you know, that's essentially smoother than buying from overseas. But like we've just seen with the elections, uh, there's a little disruption in, in the transportation industry. So some road blockages of, of people protesting. Uh, but essentially, that was a short-lived, uh, you know, event um, post the elections, and you know that's all come back to normal now. Um, so yeah, I, I do see that as just being a continuation in, in the industry of supply chains being a little bit of out, out of whack. But I'm happy to be buying most of our things in Brazil. Right, and and Mike, Mikey really had um, problems about a year ago. Um, you know. With the, with the supply chain issues, I, I, companies like yours, because you're different, you're slightly different sizes. Obviously, you know, G, G Mining's around your 300 million market cap. You, you, know, you guys are a lot less than that at the moment. So, are they benefiting from from, from size and scale, and or are you able to take advantage of you know being long-standing in the uh, in the district? Yeah, we did have problems, and being a very sort of a smaller business, we cannot have a huge amount of inventory in stock. So we are rather there are some items we just have to buy. Uh, on a regular basis, and yes, that, that that can become a real issue if you do get some delays. You know, a year ago it was about there just wasn't any available, and now, and as Louis just said, yeah, there, there have been some road blockages, but to be honest, it's not been as bad as I think it it was rather sensationalised, and um, it's always been very short-lived. And I think there's all this talk after the election, this was there's going to be wide-scale sort of disruption and all this to try to overturn the result, but I. I think we're talking about half. We talked a lot about it last week in in some Exim, and there's about half percent of the country are kind of still disgruntled about what's happened. And I think generally, the football's on now, and everyone's watching the football. So it's like a new thing to worry about: um, how will Brazil win the World Cup or not? So um, it's that's probably been. I mean, I joke, but it probably has been quite a good way of healing the country in many ways. Brings a lot of people together. For Brazil goes. Completely, just when the football is on, like it is this afternoon, um, it, it just that's it. The country is just come to everyone's wearing yellow shirts, and that's it, and they're all together again. Um, you know, uh, yeah, but we 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 were affected by that, and we still will be a little bit. Um, but but generally, uh, it, it's 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 been fairly uh, easy for us. I think the biggest problem that we have, as you know, um, I. I, one thing I would like to see the new government do is really, really try to make inroads into permitting and permitting progress. Um, we have a little bit of a problem and a few companies have suffered this and we, we are included. Um, in particularly in the state of Pará, there's a lot of bureaucracy over permitting. Uh, and um, I think the situation we have today from my own personal experience in Brazil is um, we have a public prosecution, the public prosecution process or um, sort of uh, prosecutors have wielded a lot of power in Brazil and they are to a degree they are preventing the government agencies from doing their jobs that's one of the problems that we found and it's frustrating that um, a lot of these agencies somewhat live in fear of the public prosecutor and it makes them sort of be very overly cautious I think so we have suffered a little bit there our project at Coringa the mine is ongoing and as you know uh, there, Matt, that we're, we're, we're now trying to go for a sort of a, 
an oil classification route and avoid building the process plant. We think we've got to make a, a better margin by trucking a pre-concentrate or sorting. It's a very simple process to do, but it, it does seem to be overly complicated for the authorities to actually uh, help us with the permitting on that. So um, I, I really hope um, the government change will bring some uh, um, some improvement in speed of processing and uh, organi- and, and such, such the like. Okay, and Alan, if, if I look at look at your business, right? You 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 know you, you're talking about doing these sort of these blankets, um, um, ox, oxide blankets first. Um, do you think different types of mining are going to be impacted in in different ways in Brazil? Brazil's looked at by the rest of the world as you know the the the, the lungs of the, of, of the world, right? The big Amazon forest is the first thing that comes to mind but do you, do you, are you going to be impacted by outside views of what it's like to do business um and what, it was, what it's like to do business like in brazil or do you actually have a full confidence in that your state that you're in and and the, and the uh, federal government's um, pro-mining stance matt my expectation is that, that we won't uh, have any significant impact um like I said, I think I think Lula will tighten up the uh, the environmental uh, regulations, um, but I, you know, w- which we we all adhere to. I think he will tackle the illegal mining, um, which has been done in some areas, has been done and continues to be done in in some of these protected areas. But I don't, um, you, you know, I think we're all very conscious of of um, of the environmental and social concerns. We take those extremely seriously at Cabral. Um, we do a lot of work in our community. There's a there's a village of about 300 people in, in our community, very close to our project or within our project area, and um, and we've done a lot of work within that community, like renovating the school and putting in a new water supply, building a health post, picking up the garbage, things like that, just to try and make things a little bit better um, for the local population. So, look, I, I um you have to take a long term view in mining, but I don't I don't really see that the uh, the change in the political environment is going to have any massive impact uh, for us. Like I said, I've been active during four terms of the PT government, which has all preceded uh, Bolsonaro's government, and um, and uh, the, the authorities were very, very supportive. I, I take Mike's point. I think there is some room for improvement. Uh, we haven't had the same sort of permitting issues um, that Mike has had. We've had, we found that the uh, authorities have been very, very supportive of what we tried to do. And what we are doing. Yeah, no, we, we, we've seen we've seen a few people um, um, talking about we've spoken to a few people talking about the airships that are being built in sort of protected areas. You know, I think Yanomami Indigenous land up up near Venezuela, seeing as many as sixty different airstrips being built, open pit mining with you know questionable standards of of mining happening and then flown out by plane. So it, it, it's a it's a big topic. You can sort of see why people looking in might be. Sort of tainted by that, but you guys trying to do things the right way, or, or maybe thrown in to the same bucket as it, as it were. So, what you, you guys have got a job to do as well, Luke. Yeah, I mean, you 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 must support the government's on new government stance on this. Yeah, look, I, I think when you look at the state of Pará, going back to Mike's comment, you know, I think the 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 regulators in in Pará have many projects to deal with. I think they're essentially just overloaded with the number of files that they need to deal with. Um, so it's always a question of where your project is, 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 is on the top of the pile or somewhere in the middle or at the bottom. So I think that's really the case of what's happening in Pro. It's not that they're not pro providing permits or, or lack, you know, holding back on providing permits. It's just a, a lack of, of capacity in, in these administrations. And, you know, for us, just going back to, 
trying to be carbon neutral or carbon zero. I mean, those are great ambitions. I mean, obviously we're building a power line as part of our project that's going to connect into the to the grid in Brazil, which is based on essentially 80% renewable sources. So, you know, that's part of our project that we built into uh, our CapEx to, to try and lower our carbon footprint. And, you know, we received our deforestation permits and several permits that we required to, to do the construction activities that we're doing now. And, you know, we've received CEMAS on site as part of inspections. And, you know, there's many, many protocols that go into place in terms of protecting biodiversity and uh, wildlife and, and fauna um, that we implemented as part of our procedures. And, you know, that's that's really a high level of standard that, that exists in Brazil that you need to achieve. Well, I mean, when, I mean, just sticking with you, you Lupierre, obviously you've raised a lot of money. You've been spending a lot of money um, recently. Um, so in a meaningful way, the, the, the economic environment, it, it's, it's kind of secondary for you. Your, your, your job is to actually get this thing ramped up and into production as quickly um, as possible. But you must have sort of some sympathy for the guys um, at the moment because I think gold has come off. 18 months of downward pressure on gold price um, is making it very, very difficult for good projects to kind of get going. So for you, your, your advice to other juniors would be what? Well, look, it's it's always a question of getting over that line of, of getting to uh, the finish line of getting financed and having your permits. And that's always a, can be a lengthy, uh, lengthy period in any project. Um, but I think, you know, Pariah is a good place to, to develop projects um, and especially where we are all located in the Tapajos. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I think good projects will find money and, and will get permits. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I think the, everyone is doing the right thing here. Um, and, you know, we're, we're sitting on 100 million 18 of, of cash that's going into the project now. Uh, we have 160 million committed already uh, into the project. So we're advancing quite well. And like you say, I mean, our objective is to reach uh, commercial production in the second half of 24, uh, where we start generating uh, uh generating cash from this uh, this new gold mine, which, you know, in the end will be a significant gold producer in, in Brazil. Right. And Mike, I've got to, got to, go, to go to you on, on this one. And Alan, I mean, do, do, do feel free to jump, jump in as well. Um, with, with junior exploration, you know, in moments like this, in the economic moments like, moments like this, you can become cash constraints, right? You may have a great project, but the money's just not available to you. And, and the job is to survive, quite frankly, um, or, or get, get through this cycle, this downward cycle, and out the other side. What, what's your message to shareholders? You know, your shareholders or other um, people, look, investors looking in at the gold market and thinking this thing is acting just that little bit weird at the moment. I can't read it. Um, history is no indicator of how it's going to behave. Um, I'm going to avoid it. So, what would you say to that audience? Well, like um, we discussed. Uh, a few weeks ago there, a couple of weeks ago there, Matt. I mean, we are, obviously, we're trying to do a lot for a little company with not a great deal of cash flow. Uh, we've, we've, got, we've got a lot of things to actually fulfill. We're trying to advance Coringa, which we're funding its development out of cash flow, which is which is difficult. Doesn't leave a lot of money for exploration, but we've got a very exciting exploration program ahead of us. And there's a lot of work we've got to do in the next 12 months to actually uh, uh, keep a lot of our ground. Um, you know, the the the, the pandemic caused us to almost put a freeze on exploration, unfortunately, or, or slow it right down. So we lost a we lost a couple of years there. As you know, we're talking to a, a lot of uh, companies for potential JVs on that, and those discussions are going really well. So we hope to have a very exciting year next year. Uh, but 
just just going back to a point that you were talking, I wanted to just answer something back to the previous point about working in Brazil. And I think one of the problems that all the, the juniors have is Brazil is a country that's very much dominated by large scale companies mining large scale deposits. And the junior mining sector in Brazil is not terribly well understood by the authorities. It's not terribly well understood by many in Brazil. And there tends to be a little bit of a one size fits all sort of policy. For example, the ways tailings dams are, are uh, done, the tailings dam sort of um, whole um, sort of part of the business is driven by, you know, what, what the government are now thinking about what Valley are doing. And they've got these enormous dams. There's no kind of sliding scale on how big your dam is and what's in it to actually define a risk profile. So we tend to find the little companies are having to do exactly what the large companies are doing. And it's, it's very difficult. And I, I uh, you know, so I think that's something we always battle. And going back to Alan's point about the Garimperos and the Garimpos, if you're, sm- if you're not huge, you're kind of, you're either huge or you're a, you're a small domestic miner, which therefore you're, you're, you're viewed as being perhaps not as good as, not as professional as you should. Every time we brought officials to site, they've been absolutely astonished about how professional we are. And they go, oh, goodness gracious, you're a small company, and you're, but you're still you know, operating in a very professional way. And they're, they're always taken aback because they're used to seeing small companies basically screwing up. So it's um, we're, we're always sort of um, battling that um, that uh, sort of reputation a little bit. Um, so that is that is tough, and I, I think it is all about education, which we're trying to do all the time. But that, but saying all of that, I don't want to sound, I don't want to be knocking uh, anything. Para is a place where you can do business, and you can start mines quickly. And we've done it twice. We started Sao Chico in about six months from acquiring it, and we're not much slower at Coringa. So. Um, and I could think of a whole, a ton of countries where that just wouldn't be possible. So um, that said, you know, it's, you can, you can, you can find things and start. I mean, I said Bolsonaro did, you know, has built a, spent a lot on infrastructure, especially in Paris State. You guys are the beneficiaries of that, which, which, which is good news. But then with Lula coming in again, you know, there was talk, I don't know where it's got to, with him sort of mulling over, you know, a new mining royalty in Brazil. So th- these sorts of conversations you know, kind of give with one hand and take with another, it, 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 it feels. I mean, um, obviously, as a, as a, produ- as a producer, uh, Mike, you're going to know a little bit more about that, I suspect. Well, yes, that might come. And, you know, I, I don't think in our case it would be, you know, it, w- it wouldn't be so onerous for us, the levels that were talked about in the past. I don't know where they're going to revisit those levels from before, um, but um, it would be um, not, I mean, it's happening elsewhere in South America a lot, so it wouldn't be surprised if it does. But uh, as I said, if the levels are reasonable, we're we're, we're happy to we're happy to uh, you know go along with that. It's 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 fair enough. But uh, at the same time, it's a bit of give and take. We'd like to see uh, permitting progress improve and uh, etc. At the same time, and so you know. Um, Alan, so one one for you. Um, you know, I don't know if what you, if you want to build on what Mike has Mike has just said um, there with regards to doing business in in the country. You know, for you, what are the long poles in the tent, uh, and what's your message to shareholders? Look, I think I think Brazil is a place that you need to you need a little bit of time to come up the learning curve. There is a bit of a learning curve, as Ma, uh, as Mike has alluded to. But I mean, I think it's really important. I think I said this last time to realise that some of the world's largest gold mining and and general and mining companies in general are very heavily invested in Brazil. On the gold space, you've got Anglo Gold Ashanti, Kinross's biggest mine is here, you've got London Mining here, you've got 
um, Equinox Gold, you've got Yamana, you know, some of the biggest names in our industry are invested in Brazil. It's got a 12 month season. So we can drill and mine here 12 months of the year, uh, Matt. We've not got to worry about ice roads or, 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 or you know, some, something else where everything's frozen for six months of the year. It's not. Um, so, look, I think on the, from, from my perspective, running an exploration company, it's obviously somewhat frustrating because it's less about political changes. And for us, the biggest challenge is access to capital because... Uh, exploration companies are always, when when the market turns in, in, and is, has negative sentiment like it is now, exploration companies tend to suffer the most. And we've certainly seen a massive decline in our share price, which is which is soul destroying, given the given the spectacular results that we've put out in the last eighteen months and the new discoveries we've made. That's very very frustrating. It means our cost of capital is higher. It means we can't access the same amount of capital that we did. You know even just 12 months or so ago. So um, being able to sort of like uh, ride that sort of storm is is important. I've seen these cycles, I probably, I don't know, six, seven, eight of these cycles now. It's always the same thing. Um, shareholders and investors will, will be of the opinion, and there are many out there right now who are of the opinion that, you know, the, the, the world has ended kind of thing. Um, you know, it's complete disaster. Um, the industry is in now in for a permanent state of um, negative sentiment. Um, you know, it's an unloved industry, et cetera, et cetera. However, this is a cyclical business. I cannot stress that enough. And if you are contemplating investing in the mining business, particularly on the exploration side where you can make massive returns, you can make 10 times, 20 times, sometimes 30 times your money. If you are contemplating an investment like that, Make sure you've got a long-term view because you haven't, in all likelihood, you will lose money. And by long-term, I'm talking five, six, seven years plus. Pick the companies that have strong fundamentals. And I would suggest to anybody watching this that the three companies up here, um, have we all have strong fundamentals, projects of real merit here with committed management teams. So... Um, you know, look, look, just pick the companies that are fundamentally good. Recognize right now that there is a massive opportunity because everything is on fire sale. It really is. The equivalent, if you go into a store uh, wherever you live, the equivalent would be something that you could buy for $10 a year ago. You can now buy for a buck. I mean, that's the kind of sale we're talking about right now. So, so I think, um, so yeah, those are my comments, Matt. Okay, what, what, just one last one for all of you, you know, is, I mean, as an honest answer here, because um, I, I alluded to it earlier, I think the gold market is, is quite a strange one. It just hasn't been following the same rules. Do you think this next generation, these millennials, Gen Z, whoever you want to refer to, get gold in the way that slightly older generation did? Do you think gold is having to walk into a slightly new ecosystem of investors? Or um, is it just that? It's a cycle, it's a phase, don't worry, we'll come out the other side. I mean, uh, Louis-Pierre, you, you've got institutional investors um, in, in your um, your project, invested in you. What are they telling you? Yeah, look, I, from my perspective, um, you know, we have really good shareholders. I think they understand where we're at in the phase of this project. You know, we're through the, uh, we're in the bottom of the lesson curve where I like to say we're at. Uh, we're also very undervalued at this point uh, until we actually de-risk the project by getting it into commercial production. Uh, so we have that, um, 
you know that that to go through and we we suffer from the fear of developers not delivering on their capex and inflation but you know we're feeling very comfortable with our capex and our control on on our schedule as well uh, so we're not internally concerned with that uh, but obviously we we face the same you know headwinds of, of what people see in the market with with other projects around around the world but you know i think I think it is a cyclical business. I think the failures of cryptocurrencies are proving to the world that that's complete, uh, you know, speculation. I think the mining business is, is actually founded on real assets and, you know, it's, it's a currency that's there to stay. And, um, yeah, I see it recovering. The gold price is actually quite good. It's just surprising to not see more investment in, in the space. To be honest. Well, but but even the institutions are, are you know a, a little bit nervous. You know, we we've seen them sort of rush into ESG badging and then be be told off by the SEC and having rush out of rush out of that again. We've seen this kind of even quite a few of them get it caught out in the whole crypto situation with FTX, etc. So the institutions are not immune to the emotional decision making and the repercussions of the market retail. Um, a little bit more so. So I, I, I guess, um, you know, both, both Alan and Mike, you're because of the retail component that is a very emotional investing. Um, you're suffering a little bit from that. So, so again, what, what, what's your message to them? Is it, is it just a simple case of don't worry, we've cycled in, we'll cycle out? Or is there more to it? What do you reckon, Mike? Well, I really like what Alan just said, actually, about, um, uh, and I, I do say that when I'm brave enough to some of the retail shareholders about you know, the you, you have to take a long-term view, and uh, they they are um, they 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 that's that's the point. I mean, I look at us and I say, well, you know, we raised money 18 months ago at 72p, and we're now less than half of that. And the company, from a technical perspective, and every every perspective, is in much better shape. So therefore, if it was if there's value at 72p, and we raise money like that, we're a flipping bargain at 30p, which is what we are. So that makes that you know said, says it all really. Um, yeah, and, I, and Louis just stole my thunder on the on the cryptocurrency. That's exactly. How I'm sure people will wake up and realise that uh, fundamentally, gold is the ultimate investment, and uh, it does. It, it just no one can make sense of what's going on with the gold price, really. Um, and I think it will. Um, yeah, I believe in it. Always have, and I think we we wouldn't be doing this job if we didn't. So, or if we did, if we didn't, we should be doing this job. Period. So, um, I think it will come. Bit of patience. For everybody, please, I'm asking Sarabi shareholders, just have a bit of patience. We will get a, a very exciting exploration campaign underway next year, and we will get um, Karinga fully permitted, and uh, uh, we might have a bit of a six-month delay on it, but we'll get there. Okay, well, look, I, I think the message is uh, crypto is not replacing real gold, real physical uh, gold or, or, or gold mining um, by, the, by the looks of it. Um, and we're kind of getting into this new mining paradigm. You know, the realities of investing and the invest and investing in the real projects, I think seems to be the message for 2023. Look, I'm going to ask each one of you now, um, again, I'll start with Louis Pierre, if I may, just to give us a, a, your, your two-minute sales pitch which you would like to um, say to shareholders and, um, and, and non-shareholders as well, why should they buy your shares? Louis-Pierre, you go first. Yeah, look, I, I think we're, like I just mentioned, we're in the bottom of the lesson curve. Um, I see our stock re-rating as we deliver on the project. Um, and we've seen that in other companies that have were in the development stage and once they got to commercial production and uh, saw a nice re-rating in their stock. So I, I expect that to happen with uh, with the Gmani Venture shares. Um, we have great shareholders, most of which, you know, uh, in our last financing invested at 80 cents. 
Uh, so I see our current stock price around 70 cents as being a nice entry point for investors. Um, these are guys that did three months of due diligence on us, um, looking at every aspects of the business. Um, so I think that provides a lot of comfort for uh, smaller, you know, retail investors to uh, to buy into the company. And just, you know, just, just to finish, you know, like it's, it's a project that has two million ounces of reserves and a very large land package. So lots of optionality comes with uh, the sound investment uh, that we've identified already. Well, we've been in the area for a long time, the company very committed to the Tapajos. Uh, so we know the local uh, communities and we know the political uh, agencies, etc. very well. Uh, so we're a big fish in a, a small pond. So we've actually developed Polito and Sao Chico and now we're developing Coringa. So people know we're not here today and gone tomorrow. We've certainly got the, the T-shirt and the, and the workforce and the methodology to know how to do business with a lot of state experience and that's it. So we have a very, I think we probably are the, probably the, the, the best bet to actually get Coringa up and running, which will double our production. And we're going to do that for a, a, a very modest sum, $15 million, some of which will be probably debt funded and some out of cash flow. That's what we'll do. So we're going to that amount of money will double our production and makes a 70,000 ounce producer. Not the biggest um, business in the world, obviously quite modest, but very green and very clean, high grade, small carbon footprint and all those things. Uh, that ticks the ESG box as well, you know, which uh, for those who uh, it, it's, it's becoming a very important part of our lives these days. And on top of that, we've actually got a fantastic exploration portfolio, which was pretty much parked for a number of years and um, in and around Polito, we've got some great upside, a lot of Polito lookalikes and some big stuff, as you know, the Matilda discovery made a porphyry copper deposit, which is very exciting. Um, so we hope to move that forward in the next um, 12 months and uh, have that in our uh, in our um, in our hands as well as uh, doubling production. Yeah, uh, Matt, as I said, we're, we're in the exploration company in this trio. Uh, we're right next door to uh, G Mining with Louis Pierre there, so our claims are contiguous with theirs. We have a project which historically produced an enormous amount of placer gold during the gold rush 40 years ago. There's two million ounces came out of the streams here. We've got two gold deposits that currently form the resource. They're five kilometers apart. We've got two new discoveries where we've drilled some very, very um, high grade holes that we don't have a resource on either of those two new deposits yet. We've got a, a significant amount of oxide mineralization, which is at surface, free digging, it's mineralized um, mud, basically, and saprolytic material that gives us a pathway for near-term production by heat leaching that oxide material. And we're trading uh, right now, and the value of our company is about $20 an ounce in the ground. So, I mean, and as you know, gold today is about $1,800 an ounce. Management's put in a significant amount of money into this company. Um, I myself have invested $2.8 million, so I mean, I'm, in, I'm aligned with our shareholders. We've got 43 peripheral targets with some very, very high-grade drill holes and, uh, and high-grade boulders, high-grade channel samples. There's undoubtedly a lot more gold deposits um, in the Hard Rock at Kuyu Kuyu that we haven't discovered yet. And so there's enormous upside. I mean, we're trading at 52-week lows. And as I said, we're trading at a value of just 20 US dollars in the ground. So uh, enormous upside. Okay, well, there we go. We've answered the question. Um, is Brazil open for business? Is it open for business for, for mining companies? I think there's a resounding yes, I've heard. So, uh, Louis Pierre Gignac, President CEO of G Mining Ventures, Mike Hodgson, uh, CEO of Shabby Gold, and finally, Alan Carter, President and CEO of Cabral Gold. Thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you.